Act 1, Scene 1. Enter Muldoon, Joffrey, and Geoffrey. Mark, Mark, I say, stand thee back and clear the way. Bring this cage upon us now, slowly but surely. Nay, hasten yourselves. Bring her to us, careful and quick. She doth approach. The second, what ho? Enter the big one, a Deinonychus in chains. What is this world that I doth see, where men declare I shan't be free? Fear not, the creature's claws and teeth and tail. Push forth, and with thy tasers fully charged. Joffrey and Geoffrey move to shock the big one. Avast, and step away, away! Your weapons will not strike today. Regard her not, and striketh, if thou must. She is no simple beast, for I can tell. A sinister intellect doth lay behind those eyes. Her chains are locked, the gate is near, and I so hope she gains no chance to flee. Now, Joffrey, go and see the gate is raised. This one sees me as some mere beast. Methinks I'll see him as a feast. Joffrey moves next to the big one and begins raising the gate. The big one escapes her chains and grabs Joffrey. Alack, she takes me in her jaws. Walk exits, and thy taser's arm and fire. I shall not lose another man. Shoot her! Help him! Shoot her! For thee live ammo if thou have an ounce of sense within thy stony skulls. Tis no use. I am eaten. An appetizing opening act. A prologue to my next attack. Exeunt. Act 1, Scene 2. Enter Juanito. John Hammond dreameth dreams of days gone by, while me and all my men doth toil and mine. Though, troth, I dreameth too, and cannot help, but wonder if these dreams shall truly wake. Enter Gennaro on a raft. He hired me to dig, and dig I shall, but when this lawyer lands, I shall instead assuage his fears and act in him instead. Behold, he teeters all across the raft, as if a hastily built latrine were he, a thousand pesos wagered if he falls. Gennaro shakily jumps from the raft to solid ground. Hola, Juanito. Benvenito. Tis rumor of John Hammond's absence true? Tis I he sent to send apologies. If Hammond's apology can be sent, as far as Republic Dominican, then surely he can send himself as well. If not for common courtesy, he should at least be motivated by the suit, the worker's family at this million score. He left us in the early morn to lend support unto his daughter newly cleaved from spouse like Henry and Anne of Cleves. Two children caught betwixt is what I hear. They enter the mine. I bid my sympathy to child and gran, but lack of safety is a gran, alack. What ho, you fall? A slip, tis all, tis all. Mary, the lack of safety rises fears amongst insurers, thusly raising fears amongst investors. Hammond must agree to an inspection throughout his land. Inspections he doth hate, they slow his work. The funding they shall pull, and slow him more. Ahoy, ahoy, mine eye doth catch a glint. Methinks another insect we have found. Come hither, mark the beam and watch your head. Gennaro hits his head. If experts too doth give the island their seal of approval, then we may be safe to proceed. Now Ian Malcolm has agreed to join, but they 
fear he holds close to common trends. They wish to hear from Dr. Alan Grant. Thou shall near pry Grant from Montana. Huh. Pray why? Hush now and let me see in light. Behold the simple stone I hold alight, the likes of which I diggeth mine whole life, the likes of which contain shadows of life. Such beauty is why Grant shall never leave. He digs for nature's history, just like me. Exeunt. Act 1, Scene 3. Enter Alan Grant. A talon cast in deep obsidian doth claw its way from errors long since gone and hint to us what creatures lay below. A clue which giveth me and mine a chance to excavate the dusty badlands nigh. They once were shallow seas with teeming life, and water through millennia came and went. The creatures Cambrian from those long years doth fill most of our fossil records out, but remnants of those terrible lizards yet remained but buried deep. But not for long. My team and I uncovered ancient bones. To dig one up brings hope there's more to dig. Enter Ellie Sattler. We'll never dig again in Billy's dreams. Enter Billy and Wit. Sattler and Grant, tis time for my machine to try again. Come hither and strike bone. I hate machines. Tis feeling mutual. The reading shall be true. If read at all, how long should we awaiteth the results? My work should bring return immediate. The radar shooteth ground and hiddeth bone, which then return and show the hidden beast. Aha! The image doth return, and lo, a dinosaur. Such programming divine shall cease the need to dig within our years. And cease the joys of digging all as well? Regard the post-mortem contraction of posterior ligaments of the neck. Dinonychus? Indeed, and rather grand. A robust height of five feet, nay, of six, and nine across. Now mark the wondrous- Oh! What happened now? I touch the screen and the entire contraption flickers out. What hast thou done? <laughs> a touch is all it took. Sir Grant is not machine compatible. Desire from their sideboard, and I say not mine. Regard it not. Once more, the wondrous wrists and half-moon shapes we find within the bones doth reinforce the thought that they might fly. Dinonychus could fly? Could pigs as well? Nay, nay, consider facts. A common bond betwixt the modern bird and dinosaur is easier drawn than to a reptile. The pubic bones reversed, akin to birds. The vertebrae all hollowed, like to birds. Do not forget the name bestowed upon the family of beasts this specimen belongs to was that of a bird of prey. We saw their forms, and raptor was declared. What's in a name? That which thou call raptor by any other name would look less fierce as any six-foot turkey I could find. A turkey, thou doth say? Oh, here we go again. Perchance, good child, thou wert to find thyself adrift in the Cretaceous period, and in thy wanderings thou came across thine six-foot turkey in a tranquil glade. Tis moving like a bird with head above, and thou art still, because of common thought that dinosaurs could only movement see. But as thou stare upon thy nonicus, it stares at thee with hungry, ill intent. And then thou art struck down, not at thy front but on thy sides by other raptors too, who thou ne'er thought to realize were there. Raptors doth hunt in packs, coordinate with allies sharp as my own keepsake claw. Six inches, razor sharp, and slash at thee. Thou art rent here, perchance, or maybe here. To standard practice, Alan versus child. Or maybe struck across your belly still, with gore dispensed for all the pack's desires. The point is thus. When you arrive to feast, the invitation comes while you yet live. Therefore I ask you show them some respect. 
Wit is traumatized. Okay. Exit Wit. Sir Ellen, if you wish to scare the child, thou needest only pull a gun on him. Ah, billion thee conspire to win my fun. How art thou sure thou wish to bear a child? I do not wish to bear that child, sir, but motherhood's intrigue may well one day be worthy of my time should I choose. A certain breed of child is worth no wrong. Mine eyes, Dr. Grant. But what of yours? The child is rife with endless noise and mess, and raising one incurs a large expense. Thy stinginess resembles chicken speech. They smell. They do not smell. Some of them smell. Thou art ridiculous. A babe may smell. The conversation is halted as a helicopter arrives. What fools art thou who stir up trouble, Non? The whirling blades put my old bones at risk. Cover, cover, my kingdom recover. I'll signal to the pilot to desist, but what is this he signals me instead? He's more intent on sending me away than taking leave and saving our day's work. Fine, then I'll run to where he points a nod, and maybe then he shall suspend the wind. Exit Alan, Ellie, and Billy. Enter John Hammond, above. I know you all, and will a while uphold the unyoked humor of your idleness. Yet herein will I imitate the sun, who doth permit the sight's tropicerned clouds to smother up mine beauty from the world, that, when the doctors doth behold myself, being wanted, I may be more wondered at by breaking through the foul and ugly mists of whirlwinds that did seem to obscure me. Enter Alan above. By one presumption dost thou landeth here, here being fragile dig and curry storms, here being mine abode and curry drink. Hammond pops a bottle of champagne. Thou alabaster knave, return that cork. We save that bottle for a victory. Such victory lands with me, I guarantee. Alan points accusingly. By which guard art thou named and granted leave? John Hammond's my name, Alan Grant is thine. A true delight to meet thee face to face. Thou point accusingly, but worry not. I'll shake thy finger in a greeting still, and blow away the sand of thine hard work. A lovely sight thou diggest for thyself, reflecting fifty thousand mine well spent. Enter Ellie above, who points accusingly. Alan looks starstruck. Which jerk art thou to jerk our find away, and risk us clawing downwards o'er again? Forgive my partner's outburst and mine own, we knew not t'was thine presence we were in. Ellie, the man before us, tis the bank from which all our excursions find their source. John Hammond, known throughout the western lands for shocking wealth and passions natural, now is the time I should introduce thee, but, oh, and shock her name escapes my grasp. Ellie is also starstruck. Tis Ellie Sattler, though I blame thee not, paleobotanist, thou matters not. Beg pardon, Sir Hammond, perchance pretend... That never did I call you such a jerk. Tis understandable, t'was mine own fault. My landing rushed in this meeting also should all accord to plan. But now we drink, and quickly, lest it become warm. A glass. Nay, nay, the kitchen is no mystery. The drinks are served. Well then, the point is thus. I have a gift to know a person's heart and read their humour to determine worth. I like thine work and both thine presence. Thus, tis in thy experience I bid elsewhere. I own an island, Costa Rica near. A governed lease to make my vision clear and turn it to a natural preserve. Spectacular! I hath spared no expense, and his creation hath made previous trades in Kenya now akin to petting zoos. I hath no doubt the beasts I've curried there shall fill every child with maddening joy. And what are those? Akin to men, but small. Nay, child and man alike shall feel the same. Tis but a year until the opening day. Unless, of course, by legal hand I'm slain. I care for lawyers not, but what of thee? We know none, that's to say. None that we know. I do, I fear, and one particular has turned into a pebble in my shoe. By representing mine investors' whims, such whims demand opinions not my own. Opinions of what kind? 
Well, thine, by troth, the greatest mind, nay, mine's in both thine fields, and just my luck both art in the same field. Should thee sign off upon the park, endorse its animals and plants, and finally bestow a gleaming quote, then we return to schedule, or rather schedule. But why wouldst our words holdeth any weight? And prithee state the manner of this park. Tis manner grand, and thine words fitting true. Tis why I bid thee see it for thine self among my esteemed guests at this week's end. The time doth raceth on, but my plane's near. I fear that thine request fall just beyond the realm of possible. A skeleton hath been unearthed, and we cannot afford to abandon so immediately. I would order three years pay holidays and make thine work as wondrous as sport, for when they seldom come, thou wish they come, and nothing pleaseth but rare accidents. Alan and Ellie move aside. Is fortune on our side if we say aye? It's hard to say, to call Hammond's words vague, afford him more than we can afford, but if his promise of fortune proveth true, we we shan't afford to let us pass it by. Imagine all our fortunes could unearth. Such conifers, ferns, seaweeds, and algaes, from Araucaria mirabilis to Torcodendra nastiae and more. All samples most carboniferous, and more raptors, sauropods, and pterosaurs, all manner of bones for you to find as well. Alan turns to Hammond. Where art thy plane? Ha <laughs> ha! Cheers! Exit Alan and Ellie. So when from loose Montana we take off and pay the debt I promised graciously, by how much better than my word I am, by so much shall I ratify men's hopes, and like true fossil on a sullen ground, my excitation glittering o'er my fault shall show more goodly and attract more eyes than that which hath no foil to set it off. I'll not pretend to make offence a skill, redeeming time with those who seek a thrill. Exeunt. Act 1, Scene 4. Enter Dennis Nedry, who sits at a table and begins eating. Enter Lewis Dodson aside. My presence here must ne'er be noticed true, for in my line of work when rule is held. When corporate espionage art thine trade, show not your honest face, or garb, or name. As such I clad myself as tourist fool, and seek my so-called friend in common stealth. Dodson, what ho? Come hither now and rest. Lay bare yourself and name and rest a while. My name should not be thrown so callously. What's in a name? That which we call a rose, why, by any other name, would still resemble but a single bloom in a garden. Unless, of course, such rose appeared bedecked with a fancy hat, spectacles reflecting the sun, and a shirt more floral than the blossom's own petals. In short, thou doth resemble the image that would appear should I flip a dictionary open to the page upon which the definition of subterfuge doth lay. Your argument is noted and ignored. Now mark this briefcase, but unlock it not. Thine loudest mouth must hush when I explain. The case contains three-quarters million. The sum doth match the terms agreed upon, and fifty thousand more is thine reward for every embryo safely procured. The total is one million and one half, if all fifteen arrive alive and well. Of course they shall, of course, and they all shall. Alive and well, I say, tis of no use, if they become as dead as their dry bones. I heard you the first time, by troth, but mark, they only live when frozen in the ice. Shall I procure a cooler to transport them with? Perhaps line it with drinks and steaks to cook? Do not fret on the temperate side of things, for thou forgetst thine employer and mine. As such, we gift to thee a gadget that, through bearing resemblance to shaving cream, tis actually a mini freezer box, complete with 15 slots for embryos. And topping it all off, the cream is true. Thou could perform a shave and then allow the custom agents to examine it. All well, a prehistoric park, 
is kept so calm and cool within the secret core. Amazing! Wondrous! What shall you think of next? Tis wondrous that you can do all of this and... Oh. And yet your cream contains no trace of menthol. Prithee you focus, Sarah. Now the time. From now until the time the spoils spoil is 36 hours. Return by then. And with the living embryos in tow. I shall put forth my best endeavor, but I remind thee that such timing is dependent on the fairy. I shan't return in time if you cannot give me time enough to return. Ensure the boat reaches the dock when the clock striketh seven tomorrow night. I shall ensure the boat if thou assures that you can sneak past thine security. I am security, by a troth. My numbers and coding shall be woven alchemy-like into a distraction as magnificent as the park which Hammond tries to string together himself. The spell to pass my word shall be unknown to them until they are too late, or at least for eighteen minutes at that point. The window may seem small, but I can fit, and in doing so shall aid your company in closing the ten-year gap between Hammond Stunnies and thine own. Enter waiter with the check. Gracias, senor. El nada. Dodson, gracias yourself. Tis thee who took part in the feast, not I, but I can see the meaning in thine eyes. The bill is covered, sir, and very well. Tis good you saw my meaning, Dodson, and spared no expense towards my aid. Thy near mistake was Hammond's too, and soon he shall find himself with little expense to spare. Exeunt. Act 1, Scene 5. Enter Hammond, Gennaro, Alan, Ellie, and Ian Malcolm above. Allow me to make introductions brief. Donald Gennaro sits across from me, the lawyer I doth mentioned earlier. Both Alan Grant and Ellie Sattler sit beside me here, paleontologists. And seated in the chopper's corner thus is Ian Malcolm, chaos theorist. Tis true that thou doth both unearth dinosaurs? Our goal is thus at least. We do attempt. <laughs> I beg thine pardon on Malcolm's behalf. He suffers from disease deplorable. A great excess of personality, especially from a mathematician thus. A chaotician, tis what I should be called. But of course, Hammond subscribes to chaos not particularly regarding his science project which awaits us on the Isle Near. God's wallop, good sir, for thine concerns lack any firm evidence to hold them up. And a behavioral system in Faye's space doth count as evidence for stability. Thine fashionable number-crunching act may seem divine, but holds no water. Aye, grace not my knee, thy foul troll. Be off! Dr. Settler and Grant, doth thou subscribeth to chaos theory? Tis not our field. Equations nonlinear? Strange attractors? Dear Settler, I refuse to believe thou art a stranger to the concepts of attraction. His manic charming ways doth fluster me, not for their charm, but for their shamelessness. I travel across states for naturalists to help support my claims, and in return my lawyer doth procure a rockstar knave. Well... Hush! The island crests. We have arrived. Now brace thyselves upon the chopper seats. The nature of the wind means we must drop quite fast. Secure yon belts upon the waist. I shall secure, if twould allow me to, the pieces of the belt doth clap, not clasped together to keep me safe and attached. Indeed, thou dost attempt to bind in twain a pair of so-called female buckles thus. Prithee, take this piece. No, for goodness sake, we shall upon the ground before too long. Then bind in twain I shall, with ties that bind. These female pieces still I can correct by simple means of a more natural knot. Exit Hammond, Gennaro, Ellie, and Alan. Tis chaos true, from the moment we arrive. Exit Malcolm. Enter Hammond and Gennaro in a jeep. Are fifty miles of border fence in place? Electrified and motion tracking too. In mode's most concrete, every paddock bound. I have spared no expense to keep thee safe. Relax, bid thee. Enjoy yourself, I beg. 
remind yourself, I beg, that this is not a weekend holiday for anyone. The island must be stable by my mark, which only satisfaction can bestow. I represent investors thine, and their concerns are deeper than the moats indeed. Within two days, we all must be convinced, else your resignation I shall accept. Within two days, you all shall be convinced, and your apology I shall accept. Enter Ellie, Alan, and Malcolm in another jeep. Ellie is holding a leaf. Slow down, now stop. Tis here that they shall see. This foliage I snagged during the ride hath caught my eye, and I am strucketh by such specimen, most paradoxical, such veriformin species out of place and out of time by millions of years. Alan is distracted. The plant are paradoxical, tis true, but my wandering eye hath landed on a sight impossible outside of dreams. Do my spectacles trick me? Nay, they're gone, and yet the image standeth before me. My friend distracted still, I'll act in force and turn her gaze upon the beast myself. What are thou, oh my god! I stand in shock. Enter Johann above, because they are Brachiosaurus. Behold a wondrous and sunny day. Such green of trees and blue of skies give way, as all my steps are fresh upon the plain, I need not wade into the swamp again. My neck doth reach out near to thirty feet, for me to snag a bright and tasty treat. And yet the height of mine is not enough for me to taste the finely blooming stuff. I stand and stretch and reach my form afar, aha, and snag a succulent tree star. A fine eyes deceive me, nay, tis true. A dinosaur! A dinosaur! Uh-huh. The braggart knave hath done the impossible. Oh, that this too too solid flesh should stand before us nary single bone to show. The motion of the beast belies such warmth enough to immolate a college text. Tis active... Noble, tall, and here, and now! Belay my past concerns, I doth concede. This place shall fill our coffers to the brim. How fast could yonder ancient creature move? The Brachiosaur, I do not recall. The clocks have seen the tyrant Lizard King run forth at two and thirty miles an hour. Tyrannosaurus Rex? Indeed! Forsooth! A T-Rex thou doth claim? Indeed again! Speak one more time, I beg of thee. I shall and thrice more say we have a grand T-Rex. Woe, that I should be found in such a sight where childhood dreams and mythic beasts collide. The notion makes my humors unsteady and drives me to my knees upon the ground. Alan, just take a breath and breathe it in. The miracle we've both experienced. Our wildest fantasies brought into flesh, and even now doth march in distance yawn. Behold! I see more Brachiosaurs nigh, and Parasaurophilus moving near in motion most akin to sheep or birds. The theory standing true, they move in herds. Tis truth and dream all wrapped together now. Upon this land where I have struck a blow against the ravages of time itself and summoned ancient beasts from out the grave, soon I shall let thee witness the design of science and philosophy we use to give these noble animals new life. With such joy in thine eyes, a moment shall I spend with you to bear witness and mark, and welcome you to fair Jurassic Park. Exeunt. Act 2, Scene 1. Enter Hammond, Alan, Ellie, Malcolm, and Gennaro above. Yon grind amusement park art most advanced, and incorporates all technology, not merely rides, for all thine parks have rides, but features live most biological 
and with astounding presence in present, that all the plant's heart shall be procured. What dost thou think? I think her job is done. Would not a better term to use be extinct? Nay, nay, the job persists. I trust in the inexpertise from which the foundation of this fair park is built. Now sit and spy the science that your science has bestowed. Enter screen, Hammond. Aha! My doppelganger doth approach, a way to bring life even to the screen. What ho! Hello to all, and hello, John. Ah, right, of course, I have my lines. I doth agree. Tis wondrous day to fare, outside and into wild wilderness. Could be better if I did not have them stuffed in a wayward pocket. And thus, beholding prehistoric... Note not my missed cue, I shall but cut in where the script I art now. I have to ask of thee, by what manner is it that I am here, whilst other Hammond standeth before me? Sirrah, you shall be shown, but first I must request a drop of blood, and truly yours. Ah, yes, that doth make sense. Now prick away. Oh, that prick doth hurt. Prithee, keep calm, the miracle of cloning carries on. Enter multiple screen Hammonds above, who greet each other. Hello, the John, others are amused, but hello, not convinced. John. They claim that they are clones, and thus infer that yonder dinosaurs are cloned as well. But by which DNA could they be born? Extracting bone has yet to recreate a single intact strand of DNA. Tis true, such methods are filled with sequence gaps. Or what's the hundred million year old DNA be found to build upon? I beg thee, hush! The play is getting good. Enter Mr. DNA above. Thine blood hath animated me, and lo, I shall appear behind, and now attempt a simple trick of tapping on thine shoulder thus, to introduce my appearance and make an entrance in lightened mood. Aha! A cartoon being hath appeared. But where dost thou come from? Your blood! A single drop of wine doth hold, genetic strands numbering beyond a billion and more, and thus supply the building blocks of life. A strand of DNA like I doth represent a clear blueprint to build most any living thing. Cats and dogs, man and dinosaurs. Though lizards terrible have left the face of our fair world in death, they also left behind their blood. Subtle secret ways to find. Now taketh this mosquito who doth sucketh from a dinosaur. Such acts in prehistoric times by accident served to preserve the ancient blood of dinosaurs. And then perhaps they would alight upon a tree which leaketh sap, and sap-like bone doth fossilize into old amber with humors containing dino DNA. After eons, Jurassic Park Scholars hath freed the blood from stone. Now DNA holds numerous codes, and dinos ne'er were simple beasts, and time hath ravaged DNA, so that the strands through strong have gaps. Our scientists use computers to find the holes and plug the code with base genetics from a frog. Now Hammond, kindly make your way back to the safety of yon seat, lest you be caught beneath the sway of newborn baby dino feet. Exit Screen Hammond. John Hammond sits beside the others. Mark several things. Now, firstly is the score, a temporary sound before the true. A more dramatic orchestra strikes drum eventually, once the song is writ. Now, second, present I can't always be for entire tour, or even opening act. Sir DNA can surely carry on with only my screen doubles assistance. And third, mark that your arms and legs are free and placed within the confines of your seats, as if a roller coaster thou art on. For now we peer behind the curtain dark. Safety bars restrain the guests as Mr. DNA reveals the scientists. What light through yonder window breaks, 
the embryos of dinosaurs within the unfertilized eggs of ostriches are brought to life. Such characters cannot be genuine. Do they not act upon their own desires? Nay, no such self-serving pleasure is here. They are the true miracles of the park. Return to word of unfertilized eggs. How wouldst thou interrupt the mitosis? In due time, Dr. Grant, we shall explain. You call us here to witness miracles, a scientist, but then you trap us here without a chance to see the Sarian eggs? Beg pardon, Dr. Sadler, and please stay. The sequence are akin to amusement ride. Such bars shall not contain our inquiries. The mechanism's light, on signal mine we lift together. Ha! And lo, we're free. Exit Alan, Ellie, and Malcolm. I bite my thumb at curiosity when it doth interrupt this ear lecture. Exit Hammond. By troth thou cannot do that, can ye? Nay! Exit Gennaro and Mr. DNA. Enter Ray Arnold above. Remark, the fairy which our mainland bound doth leave upon the evening's seventh stroke. All personnel must alight to the dock no later than a quarter hour before. Concessions will not be allowed to thee, no matter how close thine good time is shaped. Exit Ray. Enter Hammond, Allen, Ellie, Malcolm, and Gennaro. Such acts would not be permitted were this a standard hall, but I suppose for thee exceptions must be made. Come now with me. Enter Henry Wu. Good day, Sir Hammond. Good day, Dr. Wu. Now, Alan, mark this robot turning eggs to mimic matriarchal protections and ensure fetal development true. I shan't regard the robot, thou knowest I. This egg here draws me to it, quivering as clear as day that it begins to hatch. Such timing excellent, I surely hoped that they would all be free before the hour, upon which I must return to the dock. And tell me not! Henry, I beggeth thee, but several times alert me to the birth. Now push, young creature, pusheth thine way free! Thou might be frightened at first, but fear not. Though this new world may seemeth cold and cruel, I promise thee a warm and hearty home, upon which ancient beasties like thyself shall thrive and bring delight to every one. Now mark my face, my little dinosaur, and register me as thine old father, which every beast upon this isle does. Surely thou art not father to dinosaurs which hath been born and bred beyond lap borders. Such children wild cannot exist within our borders. Security precautions include control of creature populace. All breeding is contained within these walls. And what maketh thee certain of abstinence? Every animal in Jurassic Park arth female. We doth engineer it so. My goodness, such a sweet newly hatched chick. Sir Grant, doth such an infant pass thine bar? Most assuredly thine hatching doth surpass all feeling I could have towards human babe. She's warm. Such a temperature doth imply that she and all her kind are warm-blooded. Return to my question of every woman. How art thou so certain of such unity? Tis not a task difficult, for you see... All vertebrate embryos doth begin as female. We control the chromosomes by stopping hormones. In development from making men, we shall deny them that. Deny them that? Concerning choice of words. Sir Hammond, thou seekest control that art not within thy grasp with living, breathing creatures. The history of evolution hath taught that life cannot be contained. Life shall break free. The barriers thou wilt put in place before life shall be torn down with pain, even with danger. And now you mark me thus. I mark you? How? Thou doth imply a group composed entire of women shall somehow compose a child? I shall not turn my head at such concept as female dinosaurs raising such young without a man, such as a penguin would. But in the wild one doth require males to help the egg be conceived at the start. 
I shan't imply that female dinosaurs shall spontaneously conceive the virgin lizard. I simply say that life, uh, findeth a way. I holdeth now the prehistoric babe, and doth remark its theropodic frame and elongated snout, a hunter's face, and those small, tiny claws which, once they grow, shall be perfect for slicing into flesh and procuring a kill for feast or fun. I look into thine small, innocent eyes, and do not blame thy base animal drives, but rather feel humbled by thy presence and muse on prehistoric intellect. Sir Hammond, Dr. Wu, I ask of ye, what beast do I now hold? Exeunt. Act 2, Scene 2. Enter the big one, Kim and Randy, all Deinonychus. When shall we three meet again? In thunder, lightning, or in rain? When the thundering border's beaten, when the cattle's found and eaten. That will be ere the man beaten. Where the place? Upon the heath, there to meet the human beasts. Enter Alan above. Deinonychus, not days ago did such a creature I hold with in high regard, and lo, I doth hold still, even though I didst tell the child such as a foolish act, but now I shaketh at the prospect of a raptor rather three upon the isle. Enter Ellie, Malcolm, Gennaro, Hammond, and Wu above. I grasp upon a reason to hold fear against Deinonychus securely held. Sir Grant, I doth insist thou dost return and partake in a gourmet lunch before thou wandereth into the park beyond. All stop as a cow is lowered into the paddock. Wherefore art that cow? Tis lunch for all. Our menu hath Chilean sea bass, hmm? Delivered on silver platter, if only they made them fatter. Such a base creature doth pale to running hunting without fail. Prithee thine complaining sheath, the cattle art an apertif. Soon we shall have our captors' heads, but now we simply tear and shred. The Deinonychus tear apart and eat the cow. The others look on, horrified. Enter Muldoon. I stareth into the abyss, and lo, such abyss stareth back from yonder cage. I stand upon my initial rating. Such creatures pose a threat. Destroy them nigh! What comedy thine fear doth bring to me? May I present Robert Muldoon, warden for many a park founded in Kenya. A bit of an alarmist I doth fear, but understands Deinonychus, perhaps all rep species hold better than all. Sir Muldoon, prithee, how fast doth they grow? The child is lethal at only eight months, and lethal is the word, for they shalt kill. I hunt the hunters, but now I doth know such of the aversions I catch on prey, their movement. Fast for a biped? Cheetah speed. Faster than cars, should they be unconstrained, and jumping height immeasurable, I fear. If given room to try, they'd not come down. Indeed, such deadly beasts magnificent privy to all our most extreme constraints. What of their minds? How quick their clever wit? As fast as they doth run, if not beyond. Give them a problem, and they not only can solve it, but pass on what they have learned. The big one art, the cruelest of the pack. But started with eight, soon came down to three, solidifying her stake to the throne. When she doth lay eyes upon thine face, you see her think how best to finish thee. Then came her order to attack the fence. Our workers came to give their meal. But such attacks upon electric fence would shock them, no? Tis true, but they did not pick merely random parapets. 
They sought to test each section for its weakest link. And should they find it, they will always know. The crane retracts, severely damaged, and splattered with gore. The fear upon their faces plain. The cages shall be rendered vain. We taunt them with a tattered crane. Ah, such is the circle of life. A shame such sights should ye bear witness to before our lovely lunch. Come hither, let us leave. Exeunt. Act 2, Scene 3. Enter Hammond, Gennaro, Malcolm, Ellie, and Alan around the table eating lunch. Upon the opening of the park, our guests shall have the chance to partake in the tour that soon the four of you shall undergo. Within a year of that, more options shall become available. A jungle cruise! Such grand designs are hath spared no expense. Such heavy purses shall we gain and have. Two thousand, ten thousand, any price asked. We'll be happily paid to see such sights. And that's not getting into merchandise. Beg pardon, Donald. Nay, this park is not a paradise for merely noble Ken. Everyone has right to see these creatures, regardless of their standing or their coin. Of course, perhaps a day with discount true. Such a lack of humility before nature doth stagger me. Thank you, Sir Malcolm, but I think the park fares different than we fear. Indeed, the situation hath become worse. Such slights have no leg to stand on, as we've not seen the park to pass judgment. Allow him talk, I wish to hear his claim. All ye are present to opine me your honest truth, and I doth beg to hear. Tis too late for opinions, or to hear them, for thou cannot see danger before in thine face. Genetic power is the most awesome force to ever grace the sphere since the asteroid hath ended one era and paved way for new. Yet now such strength is wielded like a child who hath unknowingly found his father's rifle. The science developed here hath broken ground, but only in the sense of the final step. Thou hast not worked through every complication that plagued the philosophers before ye, instead merely endeavouring achievement as quickly as all Hammond's purse doth allow, and selling it to the common folk without thought. I shall not hear such base accusations. What our scientists have accomplished here are things which none could possibly do before. Thine scientists, so preoccupied with could, hath ne'er stopped to consider whether they should. Condors on the precipice of death. Nay. Should I create a flock of condors here upon the same ground as their ancestors, using the same machines that I use now to reconstruct similarly doomed beings who, once extinct, now breathe among us now? Thou wouldst not dare to argue with me then. T'was not the choice of nature to place condors in such a perilous position, but ours. Pollution, deforestation, expansion are all man-made problems with which we reckon. But whether asteroid or weather changes are to blame for the demise of dinosaurs, the fact remains that their participation hath been noted, recorded, and brought to end. Such luddest attitudes, especially for one who calls himself a scientist. Ooh, chaotician, let me mark mine words. Thou art invested to bring chaos here. How art we to act when discovery doth shine its light upon us finally? Hath discovery e'er shined its light on thee? Those bearing such light ventured out from Europe to claim discovery on things already found. Tis no lost world thine scientists hath unearthed, but doctor's isle violating nature. And how can such nature be known to thee? And being unknown, how is it controlled? Thou hast picked plants to decorate your home without considering past their beauty that a poison prehistoric lies within. Thine choice is made with heart and not with mind, ignoring the living beings thou hast wrought, whose instincts are built for an ancient world that only barely returned by their side. They are aggressive beasts, and thou shalt find. They are 
prepared to protect themselves with violence if they find necessary. Prithee, Dr. Grant, dost thou find the heart to bear appreciation for my cause? Within the day the world has swiftly changed, and now we find ourselves in an attempt to dash ahead to our near victory. Take this as a judgment, for I ne'er shall jump to ends of scientific inquiry, but man and dinosaur, once two species separated by millions of years, now thrown into the pot and brought to boil. With such ingredients, how canst thou claim to know exactly what we might expect? What shocking turn of tables I doth see! A man of science, with scientists three, brought here to paradise to stake my claim, hath turned against my aspirations whole. And yet, the man I feared would wake my dreams and take my blood much like a mosquito, tis now the only one I trust! Thank you? Enter Waiter, who whispers to Hammond, then exits. With me and the debate ended, I believe tis time for ye to venture on the tour. I prithee find it in thy heart to see the miracle of my dreams, and perhaps with eyes of those who dreameth best, ye shall. Enter Tim Murphy and Lex Murphy. Grandpa! Kids! I but watch thyself, I beg, for despite my bright smile and brighter eyes, I remind thee that I am an old man. We missed you so. And thank thee for the gifts. Did thee enjoy the helicopter ride? Indeed, we specially enjoyed the drops. Whoosh! Come, come, we must make haste upon the tour, lest stormy skies mar natural history. Servants bring two jeeps, then exit. Thine cars are lovely, John, but wherefore art those who would drive the stately chariots? Anon and gone, no driver shall we need, for these transports doth run upon the track and move on motors electric and green without exhaust. I have spared no expense. Oh, oh, an interactive CD-ROM, it doth contain a noble little voice, which speaketh on whichever topic that doth correspond to the icon you touch. Hammond turns to the adults. Have heart for gentle guests upon the youth. My daughter hath her husband cast aside for differences irreconcilable, and asketh I divert their fretful minds to noble and extraordinary beasts. Alan turns to see Tim staring at him. I read thine book. Tis wonderful to hear. Dost thou truly believe that such dinosaurs took wing to evolve into birds? Many a species doth fly down that path. Now prithee, tiny child with sister, ride. Alan enters a jeep with Ellie and Tim beside him. Would not dinosaurs resemble birds if they had common ancestry between? Their feathery heritage I cannot recognize. Alan exits the jeep, pursued by a Tim. What's more, I heard a tale of ancient meteor which did collide upon the earth and left a massive crater in Mexico. I beg of thee, young Mr... Tim. Young Tim, which careth doth thou plan to ride within? Alan leads Tim to the other jeep. Why, Sir Alan... I deign that I would have the most fun should I ride within whichever one thou doth. Perchance I hear again of Meteor, which, upon falling, threw up heat and debris enough to manifest a storm of diamond dust, which blotted the sun and changed the weather such, from good to ill, that dinosaurs could ne'er e'en stand a chance. Furthermore, upon the point, my professor doth tell me of a book by Sir Backer, whomst claimeth thus. Alan closes the door on Tim, silencing him. He turns to see Lex. Dr. Ellie suggests that I doth ride alongside thee. She claims tis good for thee. Tis better if your brother art with thee, and I remain in adult company. Alan enters a jeep with Ellie and Malcolm. Lex enters the other jeep with Tim and Gennaro. Enter Ray above. Remark the ferry which art mainland bound doth loadeth now. Into the docks thou must now hasten towards, lest he shall haunt the isle through evening until the morning light. Enter Muldoon, who speaks to Hammond. The storm doth near us, bearing from the west. 
Blow, winds, and crack your cheeks. Oh, rage and blow. You cataracts and hurricanes spout till you have drenched our hadrosaur a day. The sulphurous and time-executing fires are nothing to our vaunted fortress park. All said, I should have spared but some expense to build my kingdom in the Everglades. Mark it, I shall. Perhaps like storm before. It shall turn towards the south before we're stuck. Pray thou art right, but we must still press on. I bid thee, Sir Arnold, begin the tour. I give it signal to yon chariots and start their trek into the park proper. Now class thine buttocks and presentiment. The jeeps begin to move. God doth help us in the hands of engineers who build a gate with which to then tear open. What monsters dost thou speculate reside there? Exeunt. Act 2, Scene 4. Enter Alan, Ellie, Malcolm, Gennaro, Tim, and Lex. Enter Hammond, Ray, Muldoon, and Nedry above. Enter Richard Kiley aside. Hear me now, O thou bright and most bearable guest. Thou art in for for two wordest treats. During thine or appropriate info shall sing with the touch of an icon for thee. I am Sir Richard Kiley, Jurassic Park tour voice. Your carriage doth drive and I go. And the wild winds of fortune will carry thee onward, O whithersoever they blow. Whithersoever they blow, onward to time's lost we go. The voice thou dost hear is Richard Kiley, for on this tour I have spared no expense. You me grown-ups and children, yon Jurassic beasts shall appear if thou gaze at their might. For the first of our dinosaurs doth live and breathe In the paddock which lay on thine right It is Dilophosaurus, the two-crested lizard We now know of its beautiful frill The carnivore spits venom upon those it savors to blind and paralyze and kill. I spy upon the caged wilderness and hope to catch a glimpse of errant beast. And I the same, but cannot see a thing. Avast, the animal hath timing poor. Exit Alan, Ellie, Malcolm, Gennaro, Tim, Lex, and Richard Kyle. Now does my project gather to a head. My charms crack not, my creatures obey, and time goes upright with his carriage. How's the day? Despite the sun, the car's lights doth still burn and waste through fuel from their own battery. I mark another item to the list, which doth now number past hundred and half. Such are the problems sown in major zoos, as well as those born in theme parks most grand. We must reap both and without any help. If only Hammond hired a man who spoke so highly of their own programming mind that we would not require more than one, alas, doth such a noble man exist? What ho, mine weary eyes, deceive me so, for here is such a man whose resume hath waxed poetic of his knowledge so, and yet instead of data errors marked, he marks upon his stead with children's sweets. Sir Nedry, our lives lie within thy grasp, and thou hast buttered fingers? I forsooth, such gathered crowd could ne'er appreciate the expertise I bring, to such extents that dinosaurs will perish once again by whence mine abilities are rewarded. 
The mere twin thrones of me and thee are all the keys required to unlock the wonders of yon park. But such endeavor doth require a spider's web of mechanisms bound together eightfold. And such endless codes doth catch many an insect which I must prune. Perhaps my speed could be increased, but such a boon would incur an expense. I pity your finances, my good sir, but greed doth not bid well in such a place where errors could end lives of beast and man. Tis true, and verily thou art so wise, and always right, and verily, and true. Tis not the time to incur a debate and base ever to line thy pockets full. Ne'er hath there been debate upon the subject, merely subjection to the work at hand. Thine hands have slipped, and I doth bear no grudge, but simply beg thee steady them once more. Such errors have no place upon this land. Tis not a circus, I have no need for clowns. Sir Nedry, headlights, canst thou fix or nay? Aye, they shall be fixed upon return of our esteemed guests. Not without cost, for such computers lack the minds to focus on a multiplicity of goals at once. The system shall in part be lost for but a moment, and such time to compile could perhaps- Silence! The T-Rex paddock, they approach. Enter Alan, Ellie, Malcolm, Gennaro, Tim, and Lex. God maketh dinosaurs, they art destroyed thus. God maketh mankind, and we destroy him thus. Man maketh dinosaurs, and what occur thus? Dinosaur seateth man, and woman thus inherit all the earth. A fitting end. We shall attempt to tempt her for a show. Enter goat. Goat looks around. Alas! My presence doth serve a portent of middling meat. Prepared to slack the thirst of monstrous hunters loosed upon the isle. A detestable maw, a womb of death, is sure to be mine final resting place. And let the blood of modern beasties flow. Wherefore doth thy free yon innocent beast? Alas, is it to serve as bloody meal? Brilliant! What? Dost thou not partake in lamb? Nay, sir, I am but vegetarian. Tis not a time for silver-plattered meals. The creature wisheth not to feed but hunt. Such instinct is well-tempered in its gut. Upon this tour there shalt eventually be fleeting glimpse or glance of dinosaur, I. Canst thou hear me? Mary, the lens I shall clean in hopes that it shall improve yon hearing. I do and verily detest that knave. Tis no surprise a schedule planned by man shall fall apart as Tyrannosaurus laughs. Yon wilds patternless, tis chaos truly. You speak of chaos, but I cannot grasp whatever you so mean by such a term. Tis simply truly and by definition the unpredictability which thriveth within systems complex, it scaleth anon. The short of nary longer explanation, tis the cause and effect of a butterfly, who flutter across the ocean in pecking, and forecast spells to turn New York to tempest. The butterfly metaphor is quite apt. It flits above my head at reckless speed. Tis chaos that my wings did move too quickly. Mayhaps a hand on experience with thee shall paint my words into a watercolor. The cup, prithee, I shall take a single drop, whilst you hold out your hands in a level plain. I shall release the droplet, and now we see it rolleth off the back and merrily north. Hark! Hold thy hands steady, I ask of thee. Were I to now release a second droplet, should it follow the first or strike a new path? With no change in the system I predict, a northward droplet shall occur again. A droplet shall occur again, I concur. But as it falls and rolls, tis not northward bound, but flowing to the east of thine hand instead. 
the question I do stake my claim upon is, what changeth in thy system? For something must. The smallest hairs on hand, or vessels of blood which wax and wane, or imperfections of skin. You call my skin imperfect? Oh, you knave. Tis microscopic elements, unseen lines which ne'er repeat, but vastly guide the outcome. A simple hand is not so simple system, but mechanism built on billions of smaller systems bound into a working whole. So many moving parts gives rise to chaos. The odds of alliterations slight doth expand most exponentially as the system grows. And all the world's a system, and all of us are merely players in... Chaotic essence. Tis fascinating stuff I do not grasp. Hark, Alan, what to say thee of the subject? I must admit my focus has been drawn to mysterious sights beyond the grass. A feeling in my bones grows curious. Oh, remark not the movement of the car. I leapeth free and pursue my hunch, yon. Alan leaps from car. Exit Alan. Mark thee, another unpredictable act. Couldst I or thee foresee Dr. Gramp leap thus out of the carriage of moving vehicle? Alan? Ellie also leaps. Exit Ellie. Remark again, another sample of chaos in action as you leap after. Exit Lex, Tim, and Gennaro, as they also leave their car. And now I see the children and Gennaro doth pursue after them in similar manner, which leaveth me the only person riding within the carriage, as our host hath ordered, which in itself proveth my hypothesis. Tis just a theory. I a chaos theory. Malcolm hesitates for a moment too long, then exits. Exeunt. Act 2, Scene 5. Enter Alan, Tim, and Lex. Twas which subject I spoke of prior to the tour? Oh, another guy by name of Backer, who wrote a book akin to yours, which claimeth that dinosaurs did perish from a rise of great contagion. Enter Ellie and Gennaro. Where dost thou go, Helen? What dost thou see? Sir Backer doth not concur with thine claim of dinosaurs becoming birds. I doubt this is a proper tour event. Mayhaps we shall return it to the cars? What's more, Sir Grant, is that his book doth match yours for its size and thrice more. Mark, I shall measure with my hands. Young Tim, I... Hark, was Backer's book so large? Aye, but yours was fully illustrated. Halt, whatever I did witness is near. Stay here so as to not frighten the kids. I am not scared, Sir Grant. I shall join thee. Enter Ophelia, a triceratops. Supported by Dr. Harding. Where is the beauteous majesty of Lubla? Be not scared, sweet Ophelia. Come now. Muldoon hath quieted her thus. How now? How should I your true love know from another one? By his bony frill, three horns, and his rough-hued maxillia. Alan approaches Ophelia in awe. Tis my favorite since boyhood she is. Now Ophelia is the sweetest sight. Alas, sweet lady, what ails thee today? The macroviscles doth show strange signs. What symptoms plague her? Distortion of mind, imbalance of body, and hard breathing. The illness comes and goes in six weeks' time. Say you? Nay, pray you, Mark. He is dead and gone, my lady. He is dead and gone. His head remains for scavengers. His bones picked clean by raptors. Oh, ho. 
Six weeks. Her eyes dilated thus. See here. Lo, marked I not, I shall be damned indeed. Tis alchemy of familiar flowers. Are those lilacs the Indies? Aye, ma'am. Most toxic they are, and the creatures doth not eat of them. Truly? Verily, aye. I must inspect her leavings to be sure. Enter Malcolm. Doth mine ears deceive the dinosaur's leavings? There's horse tails? That's for longevity, pray you, love, live long. And there is bald cypress. That's for death. There's dawn redwood for you. And ginkgo. There's magnolia for you. And but none for me. We may call it herb of persistence. You must wear your flower with a difference. There's a fern. I would give you a palm leaf, but they withered thus in manly ambition. They say Lord Hammond made a good end. For Bonnie's sweet archaeopteryx by joy. Exit Ophelia. A large pile of dung is revealed as Ellie crosses the stage to examine it. Verily, tis a ton of leavings indeed. A fertile instance of new corpolite, with which to unearth Ophelia's ills, tis not so different from a fossil dig, though with more ease and softer to dig through. She art tenacious. Ay, thou reckon small. I mark no presence of the lilac plant, no stem, no fruit, or blossom in is intact. How strange. Every six weeks, toxicity. I fear, doctors, the time to leave draws nigh. The growing storm shall strike upon us hence. Thou may excellent. I wish to stay behind, along Sir Harding, until we find cause of Ophelia's distress or some ease. My jeep doth run by gas and not on track. Should we depart within the hour, then mayhaps we reach the center before thee. Art thou sure? I, I cannot leave her here. All right, we shall await thee at the base. Exeunt. Act 2, Scene 6. Enter Hammond, Ray, Muldoon, and Nedry above. Word on the weather. It shan't changeth course, nor shrink in strength, and bears upon us now. Once the guest returneth to their vehicles, we must return them hence as fast as can. Perhaps tomorrow's fortunes will improve. Art thou certain? The wind hath gale force. Tis not expense that I imagine thee would yearn to spare. Tis dire enough that all thine staff hath left upon the final shuttle to the docks. All who remain doth sit within this room, or soon shall be, at very least. Avast! Mine programming art not as quick as I hath hoped, though nearly there, and in a moment I shall will the park entire to enter lightless slumber, and thus have free reign about Hammond's chilling hatcheries. There, the final keystroke hath been struck. Now I must simply execute. Enter Boatswain aside. Hawk, I bring thee tidings harsh from reckless seas. The captain says the time to leave is nigh. Good Boatswain, have care. I shall be there but in a moment. My practice required a score of minutes, and if I hustle I may leaveth too. At least give me a quarter of your time. I shall not make a fragile promise, sir. Make haste if thou dream of the mainland shore. Exit Boat Guy. Enter Harding as another phone rings, and Hammond answers. Sir Hammond, I return Dr. Sadler, and now make haste into the mainland ship and pay visit to Sarah, my daughter, to ask her of your proposal thus. Thank you, Harding. 
Now sail to thine kin. Harding exits. Such storm of creatures wish I had we seen. Two shy away, and one falls ill to waste. Tis discouraging, sir, but thinketh not on all the fortunes which we could have had, but rather, misfortunes we did avoid. I do believe the worst has come to pass. Shall anyone desire a snack or beverage carbonated? I hasten to the vending mechanism, as I have seen much sugar in my day, and seek a balance with a dash of salt is all. Lastly, I should perhaps an offering purchase with what to beg forgiveness for mine attitude. I recognize my choleric nature hath been overflowing, and make apologies. Finally, the phones hath been debugged as promised early, and in second, the system shall compile my work, and thus lack a response for but a moment, perhaps eighteen or twenty minutes hence, but merely minor moments, nothing to bring fear upon thee. Ned Reed presses execute. Strike key, and now my true job shall begin. Exit Nedry. Ray's computer begins beeping. What clattering doth my computer make? Surely Nedry's actions are not the cause. He did lay claim some time may take pause. Enter Nedry below. My timing is impeccable, for now the door which once held safe this nursery is now open and wide for me. Some minor systems he did claim, and yet such actions should not cause the doors to fail. I now shall lift each embryo away and seal it within my chilling can. With each child I liberate from Hammond, another golden boon doth line my pockets. Tis ignoble and venomous work, but such worlds as these are much like nature, where strong and smart doth prey upon the weak. Tonight I am predator, akin to Hammond's work. Such work is done, it lie within my coat, and now I shall make my chilly escape. If memory serves, the route to shore is faster should I cut my path through tamed jungle and past creatures now fast asleep. Tis why I bid the fences to belay their lightning until I am safely through. Exit Nedry. Tis spiraling now, many doors unlocked, and lights and internet beyond this room. The touring jeeps hath stuttered to a halt, and now the fences too. No power there. What of Deinoticus? Aye, they are trapped upon a different circuit. Move now, sir. I must to Nedry Station to divine what sabotage he hath enacted here. Make haste to snack machines to seek him out. Nedry shall regret making me a fool. Exit Muldoon. Enter Ellie. I have determined Ophelia's wounds. She hath indeed partaken in the plant, which poisons her, but just an accident. She sought out gastrolus to help digest the many plants which she desires to have, and in error consumed the berries which did lay next to the rocks. Oh, but... What now? I knew I may have arrived before my friend, but such time has been stretched to breaking point, and now can only see fear in thine face. The power leaveth us across the park, and strand my family, and other guests, within the park. Carriages are moving. His desk hath been desecrated. Oh, slopped, tis nothing here to sort. I smite it off to now demand computer grant access. Access main program. It denies me thus. Access security denies me still. Access main program grid denies me thrice. Enter Nerdy as an avatar. Lali lule lo, thou hast not the magic word. Lali lule lo, thou hast not the magic word. Lali lule lo, thou hast not the magic word. Lali lule lo, thou hast not the magic word. Tis, please, I beg of thee, allow me in. I tire of the work of yon hacker. Send word to all his references, haste. Perhaps they shall know how to crack his code. I shall. Avast. 
The phones are dead as well. Fascinating the jeeps are stuck in place, but where? They wait adjacent to the Rex's lair. Exeon. Act 3, Scene 1. Enter Alan, Malcolm, Gennaro, Tim, and Lex in their jeeps. Hast thou any children? Three, who I do love. Consequences of the same chaos studied. Anything which may come to pass can and shall. The same as wives. Thou wedst? Occasionally. I seeketh future former Lady Malcolms. And on such a topic as Dr. Sattler. Art she on board? She is, though cease your thoughts. I guarantee that she desires thee not. So she and thee are not a royal pair? Ah. But I foresee thou wouldst prefer to be one. I say, forsooth, something hath made us stop. Tis my computer killing Owen, sure. Tis not just us. The other jeep stops as well. I'll brave the storm to ascertain their pause. Malcolm, hail Hammond on the radio. Alan runs to the other jeep. Hail Hammond, Muldoon, Arnold, dost thou read, sirs? The carriages hath lost motion and power. I say such out loud and now realize that such would mean this radio art silent. As Alan returns to his jeep, Tim ducks below his seat. Their jeep cannot signal the base either. Gennaro recommends that we stay put. The children, are they well? I did not ask. Why would they not be well? They may a fear. Where is such a fear? Tis merely a hiccup before the power clears itself of ills. I fear this not. I ne'er claimed thee did. I. Tim pops up from his seat wearing fancy goggles. Hark! What dost thou? And what doth thou weareth? And where didst thee attain such spectacles? My lord, I found them not but under my seat, within a crate bearing the labeled safari gear. Uneasy is thine head which wears the crown? They do have weight. It is their weight in gold, so place them back. Abstain from scaring me as well, base knave. Verily, I shan't on either account. Instead, I turn my gaze upon the night, and lo, such lenses emerald gift me, ability to peer into the night as clear as day. I spy the doctors grant in Malcolm yawn, and foliage both natural and revived. Something thumps in the background. Dost thou hear that? Likely the power trying to return. Another thump. I hear it too. Tis no electric sound. I'll look again into the stormy night. We must have stopped along the T-Rex woods, for I mark a sign as such, as well as stake with dangling chain which once held the goat. Where art the goat? Enter Rexy, holding the leg of goat. I must eat my dinner. This island's mine, by Hammond my father, which thou takest from me. When he camest first, he strokest me and madest much of me, would give me lambs like berries for a babe, and showed me all qualities of the isle, fresh springs, brine pits, fertile and barren place. Cursed be he that did so, cages my charms and those of all the subjects that he has, which first was mine own king. Here you shock me in this circuit, whilst you do keep me from the rest of the island. Rexes tosses the leg of the goat towards Tim, Lex, and Gennaro, who scream. God wounds! Make way! Exit Gennaro. Wherefore doth he hence? Whence thou must maketh leave, one must taketh leave. The thundering wires which kept me strangled once no longer hold their nefarious charge. Like bone and sinew, I snap them in twain and free myself from base captivation. My presage is not a mark in my favor. 
Keep still as much thou can, and falter not. In such torrent of water, sound and smell shall not lend aid to her in seeking prey, and naught but light and stirring draws her nigh. He left us! Oh, he left us! Now the dark doth creep as much as the terrible lizard. What manner tool to save us from a beast? I'll find a torch, and with it light my way. Turn off the light, prithee, it beckons death. Turn off the light, I beg! The dark but shielded us from hungry eyes! Beg pardon, my heart runneth over with fear. What yonder light is this? It draws my eye and doth illuminate two morsels nigh. Rexy shoves the jeep. Lex and Tim begin screaming. I'll show how thine blood springs. I'll pluck the eyes. I'll bite at thee and get me meat enough. Rexy flips the jeep and begins tearing at it. A plague upon the tyrant that I serve. This metal box doth bear me no food served, and rubbery circlet hath no flavor kind. If Lex found light within the now-wrecked jeep, then surely similar findings lie in ours. Aha! A box for moments such as this. Minus, of course, carnivorous jeopardy. The torch? Too bulky, and a slight too weak now that she's found a way to slake her thirst. Something with flair could draw her concern hence and give the young a chance to find escape. What ho! Alan finds and lights a flare. Then exits the jeep. A light anew? A crimson beacon shines? Perhaps indicative of fresher fare? Tis too enchanting to dismiss entire. I shall give chase and catch the smorgasbord. Tis not permanent enough a distraction. Once Flare is gone, Alan the beast will pursue. I'll light my own and draw the creature anon. Malcolm exits the jeep with his own Flare. Sir Ian, freeze! Fear not and free the children. I'll draw the beast away like wildered goose. Exit Malcolm, pursued by Rexy. Enter Gennaro aside, pantsless. Both to and fro from vicious speeds I fled, and now base soil stains upon my noble threads. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord be kind, and never the certain queen shall pay me mind. Enter Rexy aside. Most minor man, bite thee to death I shall. Rexy eats Gennaro. Exit Rexy. The tyrant reigns anon and gives me chance to wrench the children from the carriage grasp. Hail, children, worry not, and take my hand. Sir Grant, the seat hath pinned me in the mud. I cannot free my feet from beneath. Just breathe, young Tim. I shall unpin thee next. Miss Lex, your hand. Hold tightly. Thou art free. My body free, but mind art spiraling. Such horrors build from whispers to a scream. Scream not. The sound will surely draw the beast in hand to mouth. I'll see your silence kept. The dinosaur approacheth. Listen well. Anon to the car's opposite side flee before the creature spies us, then be still. One hopes it will not catch our sound or scent. Enter Rexy as Alan and Lex move to cover. Such basic man as he was, so distraught that liquid fear cut through this rinsed world and blasted him in flavors most piquant. Yet now I turn again to carriage strewn, and filled with rage at morsels once denied, I cast off any hope of meat within, and move to send such metal to a grave. Rexy begins pushing the jeep towards the cliff. Wherefore is such a cliff below us nigh? How could such a massive beast appear from ground, so far from parallel to where we are? An elevated hill of artifice that only serves to give the mass a show with dinner. See? The level ground is yon, but leagues beyond our reach from safe bearing. These wires we may slip through, then repel to solid ground below by tables thus. What of my brother? Pray, we must anon before we hold a hope to see him well. Exit Alan and Lex. My hero and my sister both have fled, and barely canst I breathe through all the mud. The king of lizards snaps her jaws at me, for predator and prey have exchanged cages. 
Tis the only thing left but holding on to hope, and roof so that has to keep from flying through the air. Lo, the jeep is launched! Exit Tim in the jeep. All men who once were near are now dispersed, aside from he who helped me sate my need. Once more the isle art mine to wander round, with vermin new and old to have my fill. Mayhaps a walk around the block I'll take, then return here should common sense arise. Exeunt. Act 3, Scene 2. Enter Alan and Lex. Enter Tim above. My brother yet remains entrapped above. I will anon. Fear not, I am not gone. I will be but a moment. Pray, have faith that on return your brother I shall bring. He left us. Oh, he left us. But tis not what I shall do. I promise. Mark me. Beg. Now steady and anon to safely hide. Exit Lex. <sighs> young Tim? Tis Dr. Grant. Mark me, young sir? No answer. Then the only option left is to make way up steady tree to find a child stuck in carriage misaligned. Alan begins climbing above. Such trees I hate, too tall in eyes of God. All manner heights I mayhaps make my peace, but trees stretch high into delirium. If only Dr. Sattler had remained, as her domains are both in tree and child. But with her safe, their safest chance remains with me, despite my youthful misgivings. Ugh, but hither tree too large and wieldy. No wonder Plaisner asked to climb above. Alan completes his climb and looks to Tim. I come to bring thee down, Tim. Art thee well? Sir Grant, I feel as a babe, mewling and puking. Tis natural, lad. You need just take my hand. Have courage, Tim. I see thine fearful eyes. Ne'er shall I speak of meals vomited. Prithee you don't, but I shall take thine hand. Tread softly now, and do not take the wheel, lest twisting tire release us from the tree whose canopy doth still hold us aloft. Tis not an easy task, Dr. Grant. Aye, but thee still perform admirably. And now we're free from car, if not from tree. Hast thine father e'er built thine home in one? Nay. As did mine. Well, the trick for our descent is ne'er to look too closely at the ground. I fear such acts impossible. Where doth I place my feet if not to see them? Tis true. Ah, uh, well, I shall help thee in turn to find the feet until they find the ground. Such sound can only mean the carriage cries to free itself the same as you and I from tree. We must make haste before the jeep. I see the ground, but, oh, we are too slow. Tis time for leaps of faith. Geronimo! The two jump to the ground as the car falls on top of them. By some manner of chance or fate, we... Find ourselves back in the car. Indeed, the car hath caged us once again. But tarry not, the tree is in the past. Exeunt. Act 3, Scene 3. Enter Ellie, Hammond, Ray, and Muldoon above. Mark now the key check in safety spaces hath been deactivated by Nedry. He doth not wish for anyone to ken what he hath wrought before it hath been writ, and after. This entry did kick things off. White rabbit dot object, a hacker's tool. Whatever hath been done, it did it all. But ne'er were keystrokes logged by the system. Thus, if I were to ask if what occurred, the dim computer would not ken to speak. Therefore, the only way to find the rub is singly reading every line of code. How many lines of code would that entail? Nearly two million. Million. Aye. Sir Robert, prithee you might take the jeep which bore Miss Sadler back to us and hunt the area round where the tyrant lay in hopes of locating my grandchildren. Mark me. It shall be done. I shall with thee. Miss Settler. Dr. Scrant and Malcolm still are missing, as is good Gennaro, sir, 
and what it was for even Hunter Brave, a Sir Muldoon, to venture out alone? If she is quick of feet and sound of mind, I shall voice no objection to her cause. Now, Dr. Sadler, caution thee I do, for with the fences down there is a chance, as sizable as all the creatures here, that some do freely roam the park. They shan't be indisposed as was before. The old triceratops that ye did aid, are thou still certain? I must anon with thee to find all trace of my friends. Then we away. Exit Ellie and Muldoon. What animal is this that hath the will to put innocent folk in danger of nature unnatural? To place a person's children in the eye of such a storm that risks their very lives should even more of this high tower tilt. Tis Nedry's fault, all of this, on his head. Sir Hammond? Aye, he is the one to blame. I have spared no expense, that is the truth. Now by the sacred radiance of I, the mysteries of dark and stormy nights, by the operation of this air park, for which he pledged his heart and soul to be, here I disclaim all my employer care, propinquity, and property of blame, and as a stranger to my purse and me, hold him accountable for this forever. Jonathan. I, Raymond what? Jurassic Park cannot return to life without Nedry here to undo his strife. Exeunt. Act 3, Scene 4. Enter Nedry in his jeep. What lost fools they must be, inquiring now into my labyrinthine code. What expensive cap and bells they purchased to wear, when all along they couldst have simply lined my purse. The pitiful Raymond, likely bemoaning my skills of hacking systems in twain. The uppity Muldoon, claiming nobility of mind with such an accent and will to wield a rifle. And odious Hammond, whose ego rivals his beloved Tyrannosaurus in scope. They are no more clever than the beasts which roam the wilds which I now hurry through to ease my travels. Tis why I chose such route to force myself through. Tis risk no greater than driving past a cow. Avast! I should have been there by now. Nedry loses control of the jeep and crashes. He exits it. Ugh, now what a sorry sight is this! The carriage tire wedged betwixt a tree and its own roots... And whither is the route I am to go? A sign, but arrows spinning like a compass placed uncertain on a magnet. Tis of no use to me, but I am sure I still recall the proper way. I merely need to twist this winchin on, round separate tree, to leverage it free. All time is on my side. I have no fear. Nedry slips, his glasses flying away from him. Mine glasses! I shan't see without mine glasses. Aye, but spectacles are no mountain whence I obtain my bounty from Dodson. Still, how weary are my spirits. I pray the fairy bears with me as I stop and rest a moment. Enter Frank, a Dilophosaurus. Aye, now am I in this enclosure, the more fool I. When I was at home I was in a better place, but travelers must be content. But how now? What's this? Look who comes here. Nedry gets up and sees Frank. Oh, a so-called terrible lizard. How wondrous, as Hammond often claims. Fare thee well, good boy. I must away. Stand thee forth now, he stroketh his chin, and sweareth by his beard that I am a dog. By my beard, if I had one, I would mark such a beast as pacifist and dim, at least in comparison to its kin. Do I appear akin to thine keeper? I tumble down a hill and fill myself with water. Such appearances do not belie a snack. 
Mark this stick instead, Sir Beast, and chase anon. Anon, anon. By my doggedness, if I had it, then I were. But he sweareth by it and is not forsworn. No more was this human swearing by his honor, for he never had any. Or if he had, he had sworn it away before ever he saw the pancakes and whipped cream. Thou art but a fool. Tis no strange magic that thy kind did perish. I shall return the favor under my carriage whence I return. It is meat and drink for me to see a clown. By my frill, he that hath no wits has much to answer for. I shall be feasting. I cannot hold. Frank spits venom at Nedry. Mine eyes! Such burning venom blinds me so! And now the stormy slick hath mud doth steal my footing again. Your eyes will feel my venom the sooner. Blink again, a more sounder instance come. Frank spits venom again, then kills Nedry. Frank picks up the canister. Tis time the clownery hath come to halt. What's this? A canister of human manner? Tis nothing more than scrap in mine eye. I'll toss it yawn and scamper to my next delight. Exeum. Act 3, Scene 5. Enter Ellie and Muldoon in their jeep. Enter Malcolm under rubble. Oh gods, the other car, where hath it gone? Alan! Dr. Grant! Alan! Ian! Kids! There comes no answer, only silent dread. The area looks like a criminal sign. Not just a criminal, but monstrous. The cage is open, animal come out. To make it fools of man, dinner of fools. Mark ruddy Goranon, methinks it doth resemble Gennaro, attorney at law. Ugh. Methinks this art Gennaro further still. Ugh. Man and twain attorney now at rest. A small blessing, the dinosaur's ahead. With fences down, it could be anywhere. Parks the stage for air to wander. Hark. Who harks? Survivors strewn and on. Tis Ian, gravely wounded but alive, using his own sash as attorney K. Remind me once we make our way back to base to thank Sir Hammond for a lovely weekend. Enter Rexy above. The rain hath stopped, and now I hear a sound arise from where night's journey first began. Exit Rexy. Chance we move him thither to the car? Beg chance. Come quick! Without distraction, hence. They move Malcolm to the jeep. But wait, I spy other carriage tracks, or rather gouges to denote its place. Ah! It falleth down into the gorge, though we all may reach it through less sorted routes. Now follow me downhill to try and mark where Alan and the children may have gone. Exit Ellie and Muldoon. I once again am placed in carriage alone, though situations grown more grim than before. Where once I did suggest looming disaster, I now doth find myself within the storm's eye. The peaceful break does little to disapparate the whirling winds of chaos swirling near us, nor drown out rhythmic rumblings approaching. Who hears that? Doth anyone? Tis what I, an impact tremor, strong and growing stronger. The water ripples in the nearby footprint, belying the only soul I can think of with size and force to create such a ruckus. I must admit, the winds are growing closer, the knots perhaps too tight for allies to dodge. Enter Ellie and Muldoon. The time to leave is nigh. Tis now. We must go. Swiftly. The engine spark. The time is nigh. Go! Enter Rexy as Ellie and Muldoon enter the jeep. The meal hath wheels, but I am swift of stride. Thy speed art no obstacle to my teeth. Must goeth faster. Oh, must goeth faster. The distance is not great enough to save us. Objects in mirror doth appeareth near us. Thou sitteth on the stick and slow us down. Look out! They pass a massive tree branch. 
Rexy breaks right through it. Tis no longer about the food, by troth, the chase is sport to stretch my muscles more. A simple twig doth splinter in my grasp, and carriage gifts enrichment, which I lacked in tedious enclosure, which I flee. Malcolm, doth move your arse! Now we move ours! The stick is free and we accelerate beyond the Rex's speed and now may flee. Exit Ellie, Malcolm, and Muldoon. Fine then! I shall anon and find a toy which doth not exhaust me at such a speed. The night doth fall. Perhaps I shall make rest and make a meal of tomorrow then. Exeunt. Act 3, Scene 6. Enter Alan, Lex, and Tim. Such noises, doth thou hearest? Aye, I hear. Come, children, let's make shelter in this tree. Tis rather high, Sir Grant. Perhaps another place may shelter us? Come, come, tis safe this time. I promise thee the canopy is strong enough for all, and we may find our footing safely yon. Hammond's concern with power and control hints to me that all creatures which may find delight in clambering to forest tops are either locked away in a roofed cage, or ne'er were bred to fill Jurassic Park. The three begin climbing above. Avast, I still do not much like a tree. I hold no fear of them. Their static form doth show a system unchanging to me. Ah, your system twas not in the previous tree. They reached the canopy above. Make peace, we have a place to lay our heads and brief reprieve from terrible lizards. Hush now, look there. The craning of the necks of dinosaurs to reach our so-called safe. Tis Brontosaurus? Nay, the shape of their heads hold nasal cavity above the skull. Brachiosaurus, lo! Their midnight cries sound to me like a song. Prithee not lure the monster to our place. No monster doth prowl in the park, despite thy justified misgivings, young Miss Lex. Tis but a herd of animals, and more an herbivorous clade, no threat to us. They are thine kin, only partaking in vegetables. One doth suspect for you they could make an exception, however. Have grace, young Tim. I hate the other kind. Indeed, the predators doth pose a threat to all unlucky who doth cross their paths. Think not of such creatures, for we must rest and gain some strength to trek to Hammond's base. Oh, such point in back, what could that be? Well then, a fossil raptor's claw in hand. Now that thine fossils walk across the earth, what whilst thou do with Ellie for a job? I know it's not, but I suppose we must, like dinosaurs, make to evolve again. What wouldst thou call a blinded dinosaur? What wouldst thou call a blinded dinosaur? Dost thou think hisaurus? What wouldst thou call his dog? I cannot reckon what to call his dog. Dost thou think hisaurus rex? What if a dinosaur doth still return while we aren't sleeping? I shall stay awake. Verily? I, I shall not sleep a wink. The children sleep. Whether I meant the truth or curd just, my eyes doth <sighs> make a liar out of me. My muscles slackened, I doth lay to rest, and doth allow mine claw to fall away. Exeunt. Act 4, Scene 1. Enter Hammond. We are now powerless in all the sense. The lights are dark. Only but candles glow. The chains to bind the demons have been snapped, and monsters run amok across my lands. My feelings could be chilled and served again, if not for icebox falling warm as well. The ice at creams risk melting, so I must partake in bittersweet obligation. Enter Ellie. Three sets of footprints we did find within the gates of the Tyrant Queen's enclosure, 
No time had I or Muldoon to pursue, for just as we discovered them, the Rex decided to play chase with our trio. Malcolm is wounded, but he shall survive. A shot of opium I administered. All shall be well. I have a certain faith that were my children to be lost beyond the safe walls of this air center base, the person best to show them through the night would be a dinosaur expert like Grant. You know, the first attraction I did build when I were away from Scotland adventure, t'was but a festival ordained by fleas. Petticoat Lane it was, and wondrous. A wee trapeze and carousel, seesaw, and merry-go-it round in motion too. All motorized, of course, but then to some illusion one out, and with cries of joy they claimed to see the fleas but all along. The clowning fleas, high-wire fleas, such fleas who stage parades down Main Street of the lane. But here I want to dream to mesh with truth and stand before as fit to see and touch. Such aim hath merit. Surely thou agree. I, John, but thou must feel that dream wake and see the truth grow dark before thine eyes. Indeed, thou art correct. Twas Nedry's fault, and too much faith in automated schemes. Nature doth cast an illusion on thee. Hammond, thou needest— Oh, reason, not the need. Our basest problems are superfluous. Allow not nature more than nature needs, and know Eliza's life is as cheap as beasts. You heavens, give me control! That I need! That all the world shall I— I will do such things, what they are yet I know not, but they shall be the wonders of the earth. You think I'll weep? I have full cause of weeping, but this heart shall break into a hundred thousand floors, or ere I'll weep. Oh, fool, I have control. Thou never had control. Tis fantasy. The power of this place doth overwhelm, and creep into parts of thee and I. But that was a mistake on our behalf, and now we stand to reap what we have sown. This park has grown from lizard to dragon. They have grown wings. They're more than creeping things. Without respect, the power breaketh free, and tis now rampant on this entire island. Tis not the time for commerce or control. The time to think on how to fix the ship passed long before the even did set sail. All matters pale in stark comparison to people that we love and where they are. Sir Alan, Lex, and Tim are lost among the wilderness with lives already claimed. But I saith once again we lack control, and I'll not weep as well, else I not stop. So I partake in icid creams with thee. Coldly doth agree that they are sweet. Verily, miss, I hath spared no expense. Exeunt Act 4, Scene 2 Enter Alan, Lex, and Tim above, sleeping. Enter Johan. Another joyous dawn art breaking now, and bringeth many wondrous sights to see. I hear from other longnecks through our song that barriers which once did keep us trapped within a single field of swaying trees doth now fall silent and without the hum which indicate a sharp shock of surprise. Indeed, the only cloud that I can spy is the congestion just above my eyes. Thus I have wandered hither to a tree which seems to bear the freshest greens in hopes that it may ease my sinuses. How now? I spy a human family here. Good morning, I bid thee, we visitors. Alan awakens. I bid thee good morning, Brachiosaur. Thou art as gentle as I did expect, and doth remind me of a large giraffe. I trust our peaceful nature doth exude, and will not frighten thee as man may do. Tim and Lex awaken. 
Be gone, foul beast! Leave us well and alone! Find calm, young Lex. Tis a mere sauropod. Tis but a dinosaur of vegetables, sister. Tis Vegisaurus. Aye, verily. Aye. Mayhaps I shall trumpet like thou dost. Come closer so I might pat thine head. The tiny humans make a ruckus so, but I am curious and doth sway near. Dost thou desire leaves? I'll tug a war with thee and play like child might with thine food. Oh, what enriching tussle thou doth cause. I shall let go, and draw thy great head near so that the children may examine thee and gain a peaceful moment on this day. The creature is a delight, but I spy a patch of redness round yon nostrils. Could it have a cold? Perhaps they could fall ill like thee or I. Might I reach out and touch it? Aye, of course. Imagine it akin to a great cow. I do enjoy the sight of cows in field, and I suppose such beef doth grazeth so, in similar manner to those placid beasts. Fairly, girl, come hither to my hand, so I may lay it on your head in peace. This one, which once seemed scared, now findeth strength to reach her hand towards me and speak of peace, which I wish to repay. But, oh, a true! Johann sneezes, spraying mucus all over Lex. And only Lex. I sneezeth on the girl. Oh, woe is me. My heart doth fall in gross embarrassment. And I must duck my head and flee in shame. I only hope the child doth recognize that no offense was meant to her from I. Exit Johan. God bless thee, mighty beast. I pray thine cold shall ease up in the coming days, now that thine congestion has been expelled. Exeunt. Act 4, Scene 3. Enter Ellie, Malcolm, Hammond, Ray, and Muldoon above. Tis madness, sir. Thou art lunatic touch to boldly make suggestions that I should enact a plan as foolhardy as thee. Explain the plan again, Sir Hammond, so we might grasp at the total scope of it. Tis not without a calculated risk, but I doth fear that such a consequence hath grown into necessary evil. With Nedry missing and likely deceased, we have no way to track down what he wrought and what he writ to wrest control from us. But should we shut the system down entire, divest from all remaining power, then... Shall not do it, sir. The damage done doth pale to compare with what we may do. With power out, the stage is struck to blank, and we may play our roles from the first square. After a moment, power will return, and all the system will align again without the influence of Nedry's touch. Correct? In theory, aye, but is a test unventured and untested in our field. We have never shut down the park entire. The systems may stay silent after all. What of the phones? Again, in theory, aye. We could wait for contingency license. What's that? Twould take too long and ignoble. A plan should any dinosaur escape the confines of the Isle to mainland Dion. Wu altered their DNA to prevent the manufacture of lysine in them. Without our hands to feed them supplements... They would fall comatose, soon after die. People are dying! Should we attempt to weather out the storm, we doom Grant and the children to be drowned before slumber would find my dinosaurs. Prithee, shut down the system for their sake. Ray nods and goes to a panel with four switches. He flips the first three, and everything goes dark. Now clasp thine buttocks in presentiment. Ray flips the final switch. Enter the big one, Kim and Randy. Thrice the Comsagnathus mewed. Thrice the Stegosaurus whined. Thunder cries, tis time, tis time. The lay of Triceratops shows the fence hath lost its shock. 
Hadrosaur's eye from a bog, Galamimus slain in fog. Clever Iguanodon sting, fluttering Ramphorhynchus wing. For a charm of powerful trouble, like a hell broth boil and bubble. Double, double, double toil and, and trouble, lightning, lightning burn, burn and, and man flesh bubble. The humans. They destroyed our cage! Yes, yes! The Dinonachus are out! Exit the big one, Kim and Randy. Ray returns to the computer. The power doth remain away from us. I have no thought of how to proceed. Wait! Despite my doubts, it seemeth that we may have hoped to gain our freedom after all. What cause for celebration art thou claiming? We still doth bask in silent darkness hither. The system claimeth readiness, Sirrah. Mayhaps the process made the breakers fall, but tis no complex task to lift them up, and then allow the smaller systems time, those of the phones, securities, and more, and all shall realign to the right shape. Where are the breakers? In the maintenance shed. Tis a mere hop-skip jump across from us, but wait for minutes three, and I declare I shall be there and back, power in hand. Tis planned, then. Raymond, God be with thee hence. We shall remain in this here bunker till Sir Arnold doth return, and system thus hath stood and is found steady on its feet. Exeunt. Act 4, Scene 4. Enter Alan, Tim, and Lex. Lex is still slimed. What joy! Now my sister shall ne'er again attempt even the notion of partaking in new activities. She shall cloister herself within her room with naught but her computer games for company. Tis not mere games. I am a hacker, Mark. Tis my words exact. Thou art a nerd. I am no nerd. I saith once again, I hacketh. Tis the professional term. I'll let the children argue and find ease before we trek away from barren woods. Oh, what crunch'eth as I step into this field? Tis shells which seem impossible. Oh, Lord. Alan turns to the children with a broken eggshell in hand. He stands amongst a pile of them. Dost thou recognize what I doth hold? Tis shell of egg. The dinosaurs doth breed. But my grandfather said the dinosaurs cannot breed. For they all women art. DNA most amphibian. Wherefore? The film we witnessed at the tour's start made claim the scientists of this here park did utilize the DNA of frogs to reconstruct the dino DNA, amongst from which mutations may arise, a lack of feathers I not all around. Such froggy kin born of West Africa may in a spark of spontaneity transform their shape when confronted with overabundance of a single sex. These dinosaurs are trans! How good for them! And Ian Malcolm did speak prophecy whence he declared that life findeth a way. But haste, strike drum. We cannot dally now. We must make way to safety in the park. I am tired. I am dirty. Tis hot. My legs doth hurt. Upon the map, if I recall in troth, the base doth lie just over thither rise. Keep near me and... What ho? What creatures yawn? Tis some manner of something of the gall. Tis Gallipoli? Nay. Tis Gallifrey? Nay, not that. Tis Gallimimus? Aye, I bet my heart. Art they a Vegisaurus, or the meat? Behold the wheeling uniformity akin to starlings flocking to and fro in flight as to avoid predation's grasp. I mark, they seem to flock towards us, sir! Alan, Lex, and Tim dive to hide behind a log. Enter Gallimimus Chorus. Oh, witness as we doth take flight away, in hopes that we may run another day, and feast on that what doth grow upon the road, the smaller rats, or maybe e'en a toad. We thinks to greener pastures we may run, so as to flee she who tears us undone. For though they may be nature's highest laws, we do not envy those within her jaws. 
Enter Rexy. Hark! Gallimimus dinner hath appeared, and I hath given chase across the aisle. Such ecosystems now doth intertwine into facsimile of what once was. Rexy kills and eats a Gallimimus. Having first seized the nearest creatures, I battern thine skull, and pierce him with mine teeth, and cut thine wesen like a knife. Remember first to possess their weak, for without them they lose but a single sot, for they have goth one spirit to command. Indeed our minds doth ring communication and do finds. We shall survive survive should single sacrifice be made to thee, thy hunger doth suffice. The blood is spilled and we away shall fly, in hopes for moments neath a peaceful sky. Exit Gallimaeus Chorus. Might we flee too? Dost thou see how it feasts? Please, sir, I feel the time to leave is nigh. I reckon thou shalt not observe a bird without marking their similar eating form. Ay, verily, now, sir, may we go? Verily, follow me and keep aflow. Exit Alan and Lex. Mark thee all the blood. Enter Alan, who picks up Tim and carries him away. Exeunt. Act 4, Scene 5. Enter Ray. The shed doth lay not five minutes away. And if I run I, a quicker time I'll make, so long as wayward dinosaurs shan't take some manner of shelter away from I. Enter the big one, Kim and Randy. All hail Arnold, hail to thee, appetizer. All hail Arnold, hail to thee, entree. All hail Arnold, thou shall be dessert hereafter. I hath had it, with kinless dinosaurs upon this godforsaken island park. Exit. Pursued by Deinonychus. Enter Ellie, Hammond, Ian, and Muldoon above. Something hath happened. All has gone pear-shaped. Tis merely but another small delay, not unfamiliar in the theme park world. Why, Disneyland in 1956 did on its inaugural day neglect to ensure anything did work by troth. Aye, but should Pirates of the Caribbean encounter greatest malfunction imagined, t'would not result in Will and Elizabeth turning their jaws upon the unwilling guests. Our time runneth out, and I cannot wait. Thus I shall bring the power back myself. Maketh not haste or rash decision thus. He hath only been gone. Ah. Lest my watch doth make a liar out of me, I fear Ray's time gone doth raise concern after all. Thou dost not simply walk into the park. Quite right. I shall accompany thee hence. Well, tis not akin to a torchlight, but mayhaps I can give thee tutorial. And yet I feel tis I who should embark. For thee, wherefore? Well, thou art a lady, if only to go warm were gorgeous. Right. Ellie slaps a walkie-talkie into Hammond's hand. Thou mayest espouse the need for sexism in situation dire on my return. Until then, find my voice on Channel 2. Exeunt. Act 5, Scene 1. Enter Ellie and Muldoon. The shutdown hath turned all the creatures loose. Damnation! Even Nedry knew to stop his machination short of raptor cage. But mark yon terror. They hath been freed anon. I mark the shed from here. We shall have time to reach the doorway if we runneth. Nay. Say nay, wherefore? They hath begun the hunt with us as quarry. Oh God, help us all. They did await for us to walk exposed and lay a scheme for us to lurch into. One prowleth yonder bushes up ahead. Tis well and good. Like hell this manner is. Strike pace towards the shed, and turn back not. The noon is high. I have her in my sights. Now falter not. Away! 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 Exit Ellie fleeing. Enter Randy in bushes. 
In foliage I doth conceal my rapturous form for rapturous ploy. The hunter thinks to outsmart me, but other hunters prowleth nigh. The predator attempts to stay concealed, and does not mark my presence from upwind. Thine eyes are focused forward all to hunt, but none to spy what other threats may come. The hunter knows the proper ambush trick. For thou shalt be struck down, not at thy front, but on thy sides by other hunter. Oh, I am a fool, for nature's hunter must ascribe a similar scheme to catch their prey. Enter the big one at Muldoon's side. Thou art a clever girl. Indeed. The big one kills Muldoon. Thus my distraction beareth fruit, and meat for she who leads the pack. Now Kim pursueth Sattler yon, and we seek other morsels yet. Mayhaps in human building nigh. Exeunt. Act 5, Scene 2. Enter Ellie above. Though I disflee from Grindonanekis, and fly through hanging branch and down tree, I fear the shots of guns and rattling death doth indicate another hunter lost. Mr. Arnold, sir, art thou nearby? A friendly hand would be a kindness lent. Alas, I fear he passed before Muldoon, with the ensuing darkness evidence. I'll hail Hammond on the walkie. Hail! Sir Hammond, I have made it to the shed, but feareth Raymond and Muldoon are dead. Enter Hammond and Ian aside. Tis grim announcement, but we delay not. Descend the stairs before thee, and press on until thou reach a junction like a T, and turneth left to find the cable chest. Exit Ellie. Twould make the journey quicker if you told her to follow the great cable running above directly to the circuit breaking system. Desist! I know how to read schematics. Enter Alan, Lex, and Tim. This fence must be which doth encircle all the main facilities of the park and keep most dinosaurs away from the guests. The sign doth claim to own 10,000 volts, but I shall test that due with wayward joust. He tosses his stick at the fence. Nothing. I guess such non-reaction indicates the power doth remain away from all. With no danger remaining in my sight, I'll carefully grab to begin my ascent. Alan grabs the cable and begins shaking and screaming, causing the kids to scream as well. Then he stops and turns with a wicked grin. <laughs> Twas not funny at all. Twas brilliant! The laughter stops as Rexy's roar is heard in the distance. Make haste, we must above and over thus. They begin climbing. Enter Ellie above. The end thou set me on was truly dead. Aha! Thou shouldst have turned it right somewhere. Give me the radio, thou selfish cockled. Now, Ellie, spy a cable running above thee? I tis in my sights and hard to miss. Now trace its route across the shed to the box, and thou shalt make far better time than Hammond. Meanwhile, Alan and the kids continue climbing. I doth propose a wager to thee, Tim, that I may reach Apex and beyond before thee even seize the top and reach. What wouldst thou give me if I did outpace thee? Verily, I shall give thee some respect. Prithee, children, focus, tis not a race, and if it were, we all would tie here thus. Keep a tight grip and find thy footing here to keep from plummeting into the ground. Ellie finds the box. I mark the box, which readeth high voltage. Good show! Now from the manual I speak, thou cannot throw the main switch by thine hand. The flat grey handle must be pumped but thrice to build a charge. Indeed, I pump it thrice. Now mark the button which reads push to close and press it. Aye, aha, the lights are green. A siren starts blaring at the fence, and Alan and Lex climb down. But Timmy is still hanging on. Avast! Young Tim, thou must jump off the fence. 
art thou touched, I shall not jump anon. Thou shalt be fried into oblivion if thou ignorest Dr. Grant's command. Beneath the green lights are those clad in red. Each button pressed turns on a POG system. After you press each one, we shall be set to let our computers return to life, to let the system undergo reboot, to phone the mainland and away from here. Ellie begins flipping switches. I shall count on two, three to give thee time, and then thou must leap forth, Tim. One, two, three. Say four. Say five. I cannot find the strength. I shall come get thee hence. Nay, nay, I'll jump. I'll count to three. Say one. Say two. Say... Ellie flips the last switch, and Tim is flung from the fence by electricity. He doth breathe not. Pray, Tim, return to us and speaketh. Timmy, pray, Timmy, speak. <coughs> Three. Ah, vague Tim, thou art akin to human toast. Away, S3, we hasten to the base. Exit Alan, Lex, and Tim. The lights to shine and I can hear the hum of generators powering the park. I think we are back in business. Enter Kim from behind the pipes. Nay! Ah! Such concrete bunker is thy tomb! I'll slink from pipes to entrance nigh. How dare thou link a chains bar me! Thou shalt not pursue me further here. I may seem cornered, but I feel the touch and spy from a familiar hand. What's this? Nobody follows from the arm. Alas, poor Raymond, I knew him not well, but he did seem a clever man of tech, and cry out with my fears, his fate confirmed. If thou shalt stop thine shrieking loud, I twist this barrier apart, and now resume my sharp pursuit. And I'll resume my flight from thee, although my jump across such stairs may serve to twist my ankle into agony. <laughs> Think not that I shall stop until thou art contained. Across the hall I'll march ahead of thee and slam the human door into thy face. Exeunt. Enter Alan, Lex, and Tim in the visitor center. I hath not spied a single person here, no hair of Hammond, Ellie, or Muldoon. Perhaps they did into the jungle trek to find us while we did try to find them. But you two are safe here, and here shall stay until we find a place to journey next, and then make way to peaceful mainland bliss. And lo, a buffet laid out for the guests, which thou both art, despite this weekend's woe. Partake and breathe, and soon I shall return. Exit Alan. And what a grand buffet it is! Note all the cakes and creams and puddings and flans and cookies and crackers and dips and dressings and punch! I'll dig into all manner of dessert. I'll eat my weight and sugar for sunset. Enter Alan aside. Hammond! Ellie? Enter Ellie, limping. <sighs> run! Run! She jumps into Alan's arms. Muldoon and Ray are dead by Rapture's hands. One I hath trapped within the power shed. The other two surely hunt children still. Art thou certain the one is trapped for good? Verily, lest they learn to open doors. Exit Alan and Ellie. I'll diggeth into this cake with glee akin to Dr. Grant himself. What, Lex? Why dost thou tremble so? Hush now, and mark the shadow behind thee. Lex and Tim see the shadow of a Deinonychus, and flee across the stage to the kitchen. Enter the big one, and Randy. What maketh thee of local scent? Beyond the sweetness something fresh, a human hatchling doused in fear. Timmy, what art they? Pray, Deinonychus, and we are prey, and trapped in cookery. It doth pursue. Stay low and follow me. 
We hath not been well fed in days, and not but cattle to our malls. We shall this isle entire feast until there are no humans left. Grant me permission of first bite. Clamp shut thyself, both ma and voice. Always I shall the first course claim. They search for us along the cookware row. Stay on the other side, we may yet flee. I cannot breathe. I cannot think. My heart doth try to rend itself from mine chest. What happens when they catch our panicked scent? Think not of that, and round the bend with care. Mark all the spoons, rise not a clatter, Tim. One of the spoons clatters to the ground. I hath no need for sharpened ears when such a noise gives thee away. Tim our dead meat, if creature doth pursue, I'll make a bluster of my own to pull the raptor to an image of me cast upon the silvered cupboards of the room. The prey art spied across the way, and I shall barrel to their form. Randy charges at Lex, only to crash into the cupboard where her image is reflected. Alack! What trickery is this? A treachery of images! Their minds are split between us. Now's the time to make a move against the big one. I'll scurry to the freezer in the hopes that she'll pursue. The smaller child doth make a break, but I'll chase into chilling air. Alack! What slickery is this? A treachery of ground itself. Now, Lex! Let us close the door upon the beast! Tim and Lex slam the door closed on the big one, trapping her, then run to the visitor center. Enter Alan and Ellie. We trapped the one! The other still gives chase! To the control room, then. The computer should be prepared to free us from this hell. Exit Alan, Ellie, Lex, and Tim, pursued by Randy. The door I shall brace against to give us time. A handle twist, I shall emerge. The locks! I beg of thee, enable locks. Let us give ground. I cannot leave thee be. But who shalt lock the doors? I shall. Move, beg, computers aren't my kin. And tis a Unix system, which I know, a bold array of the park's every file. I simply need to surf the cyberspace and find my way unto security. Make haste! Make haste! I do believe this is the place I seek. Aha! I bid the programs to run true. Unclasp thy buttocks. Door locks are engaged. Forsooth, what else hath we gained access to? Thine phones, thine locks, thine everything thou namest. Alan picks up a phone. Sir Hammond? Enter Hammond aside. Hail, Sir Grant! The phones doth work. What of the children? Prithee, art they well? The four of us surviveth. Now pray, call the mainland to provide us with escape. Ellen the Dodonicus doth attempt to snatch the windows with a good success. We must away above if we may live. Exeunt. Amid gunshots. Act 5, Scene 4. Enter Alan, Ellie, Lex, and Tim above. Through vents and ducks we all did flee, and barely escaped the jaws of death when Lexi did nearly fall away. The fear I felt did screw my face asunder, and now I wonder how we will escape to where the doors doth lie so far away, and without safe a way to meet the ground. Unto the fossil displays we must climb. Again the bones serve as our livelihood. Wherefore doth rumbling come from? Prithee here? Enter Randy above. My patience slim, my claws art sharp, and they shall climb as well as kill. Randy leaps onto the skeleton, which breaks apart and sends everyone flying. We must our courage screw and go to ground. Mayhaps we land before Dunanicus and find a route to take our flight again. One by one, everyone falls to the ground. Enter Kim. Thine door's a silly thing, madame. A simple lever hath no twist to keep me trapped within thine shed. The big one gone, I take the lead. Our coven finally may feed. 
We aren't surrounded. How shall we escape? I fear our luck's run out. Woe that we have been discarded to the bottom of the food chain! Enter Rexy. Such stolen thunder hath allowed me loose across the aisle which I do call my home, and come I to my throne room just to find a pair of vagrants champing at the bit? I'll none of that, and cleave the bird in twain, partaking in sweet taste of mercury. Rexy kills Randy. By troth, a greater fish there always is. Whilst all our foes distracted, let's away. Alan, Ellie, Lex, and Tim flee outside. Enter Hammond and Malcolm in a jeep. Sir Hammond, after such a weekend and consideration careful, I declare that I shall not endorse thine park. Nor I. Exit Alan, Ellie, Hammond, Malcolm, Lex, and Tim. How now, false king? I'll slay thy crown! Thine leaps and bounds doth pale to my sheer strength. The bones of kin are to good bed for thee. Rexy flings Kim into the skeletons, killing her. And now I stand alone amongst the graves of all who sought to lay claim to this land. My dynasty secured, I do declare I shall be king so terrible as to make all who hear my trembling in turn fall to their knees in reverence to I. With final roar I maketh clear my mirth, returning to when my kin ruled the earth. Exeunt. Enter Alan, Ellie, Hammond, Lex, and Tim on the helicopter. Lex and Tim sleep while curled into Alan's arms. Such horrors we endured, the six of us. It would be lies to say we are unscathed. But now in wings of safety I can smile and look upon thee, Alan, my heart full, and let thee know my joy that we survived. Tis bittersweet that so many did not, but I... "'Tis good that thee escaped as well. "'As for the children, I could not allow for them to be abandoned to the fates. "'And must admit that neither of them smell.' "'I mark thy meaning.' "'Ye bones of hills, brooks, standing lakes and groves, "'and ye that on the sands their frozen print did chase this ebbing Prospero away. "'He shan't come back, you demi-puppets, that by moonshine did all of my dreams come true. "'Weak master I must be to ne'er bedim the noontide sun or brace the mutinous winds.' I have been given fire and spurs plucked up by the pine and cedar. Graves at my command have waked their sleepers, opened, and let forth by my so potent art. But this magic I here abjure, and now I'll break my staff, bury it certain fathoms in the earth, and deeper than did ever plummet sound, I'll drown my book. Exit Alan, Ellie, Hammond, Tim, and Lex. Enter Mr. DNA. If we dinos have offended, think but this, and all is mended that you have but slumbered here while this podcast did appear and this week an idle theme no more yielding but a dream. Gentles do not reprehend if you pardon, we will mend. And I, as am cartoon true, and as I am cartoon true, if we have unearned luck due, now to escape from Rex's tongue, we will make amends ere long. Else to tune a liar call, so good night unto you all. Give me your hands if we be friends, and Dino shall restore amends. Exeunt. Thank you for listening to the 200th episode spectacular for Not If I Reboot You First. This has been William Shakespeare's Jurassic Part. Written by Tanner Vogelsang and Lindsay Mitchell, something that we could not have done without our amazing guests we've had over these past four years. 
Speaking of which, the cast of William Shakespeare's Jurassic Park is as follows. The narration was provided by Ryan Mitchell. Alan Grant was played by Tanner Volesang. Ellie Sattler was played by Lindsay Mitchell. Ian Malcolm was played by Lava. John Hammond was played by J.D. Fierce. Robert Muldoon was played by Harley. Tim Murphy was played by Sam Gash. Lex Murphy was played by Alex Fierce. Ray Arnold was played by Theodore Monk. Dennis Nedry was played by Cassidy. Donald Gennaro was played by Charlie. Henry Wu was played by Bobby. Lewis Dodson was played by Shannon Maynard. Screen Hammond was played by Duncan Nicholson. Mr. DNA was played by Jake Mason. Jeffrey was played by Theodore Monk. Joffrey was played by Janine. Juanito was played by Benny. Wit was played by Panda. Billy was played by Crest. Richard Kiley was played by Lady Emily Cheshire. Dr. Harding was played by Jake Mason. The Boatswain was played by Bobby. The Goat was played by Brian. Rexy was played by Panda. The Big One was played by Mac Weaver. Kim was played by Annie Creighton. Randy was played by Kit Walker. Ophelia was played by Christina Woods. Johan was played by Benny. Frank was played by Serge Bodrachuk. The Gallimimus Chorus were played by Tyra Vogelsang and Benny. Thank you to our other past guests, Portia, Locke, Lena, Jenny, August, and Isaiah. So Tanner, do you have a hint for next time? 